Hey folks, Sean here with a quick intro today, mainly because it is an interesting time for alternative health podcasts and blogs and things of that sort. In fact, it's an interesting time for all health and medical information that doesn't fo follow or fit a certain narrative. Who this narrative serves or was created by, you know, it's not for me to explore. And I've more recently become privy to, you know, all the conspiracy theories on the matter. However, I am no conspiracy theory expert or theorist. And if you've heard me in the past talk about the subject, you've heard me say in previous podcasts that I do not actually believe in them. So I can say, however, that the narrative that I speak of can be found by watching the mainstream cable or network industrial news sources. So what I'm more privy to or more privy on than say these conspiracy theories is the dominance of the biomed biomedical model within Western culture and society when it comes to health promotion. So it's a narrative that I think is subconsciously somewhat dominating the psyche of so many, or at least it has up until recently anyways. And um, I trust, uh, I feel that trust is being lost anyways by the average person in the dominant you know, by that dominant narrative or in that dominant narrative, rather. I think it's happening in so many facets of life in Western society, and this is why I am recording this quick intro here, more of a disclaimer, really, you know, because that's just it. I'm not talking about, you know, the rewilding alternative health-minded folk. I feel that regular people are actually now losing their trust in government, health agencies, and policies, as well as mainstream news sources, um, like we've never seen before in North America. And this is why I think I am putting this disclaimer on here because I think we're casting wider nets. And by we, I mean alternative news sources, podcasts, and things of that sort. So putting this disclaimer out there, just in case anybody, uh, you know, isn't already of this lens, say, where you're coming at things already, uh, you know, for a very long time anyways, let's say unplugged from the matrix, and you're getting your news sources uh, a little bit more critically and outside of the mainstream. So anyways, this is why I wanted to start this podcast, like I said, as somewhat of a disclaimer, um, that I am not a medical doctor and information contained here in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Please, please consult a medical physician or a trained and licensed medical professional of sorts before trying anything you hear on this podcast here today or any podcast that I put out for that matter. Um, I will say for context and, you know, just to add integrity to what I say, because I don't want to make it seem like I don't have some uh, experience, I guess, in this area, and that I am a uh, award-winning personal trainer and holistic lifestyle coach, and I've worked with hundreds of individuals to help them reach their health and fitness goals. Now, some of which, the reason why I'm saying this is some of which could not be treated through, say, conventional medical practice. And I have, um, you know, firsthand seen people kind of waking up to, wow, alternative health and whatnot. And if you've followed this show for long enough, you know that that's the stories I'd like to share with you. Um, anyways, I also have a master's degree in health and rehabilitation sciences and uh, specifically of specializing in exercise, physical activity, and sedentary behavior. So my PhD is also within health promotion and uh, I'm by no means an expert virologist or immunologist. I am, however, keen on uh, researching the scientific uh, literature and I have access to scientific databases. Um, furthermore, I hate tyranny of any sort, 
especially medical tyranny, um, you know, that I've per- personally have witnessed uh, make people more sick um, while also providing, say, a false sense of security or hope via the whole quick fix mentality that seems to come with this biomedical model, especially here in present day society with this pandemic and all. So anyways, if you feel it is in your best interest to follow current regulations, you know, regarding masks, or if you're, you know, required to wear one, say, in order to work and feed your family and and do the things you need to do, um, by all means, do those things. If you do not feel it is right, you know, please utilize your right to free speech outside of these establishments, your work or wherever you may have to shop or what have you. Um, and live your life, and I just, you know, I hope that you're living your life, rather, in a way that feels right to you without harming anyone else, obviously, you know, and doing that the very best you can. So I hope today's podcast can help all of you out there, you know, and inspire you to conduct thoughtful, personal reflection and research this topic on your own. Uh, This podcast, you know, is an alternative source of information to help you live a happy and healthy life, after all, and obviously a life connected to the living earth. So as a health conscious consumer, I just ask that you, as always, please continue to do your own research and demand alternative news sources um, or demand these alternative news sources to be, you know, accountable to the information they share, me included in that. So anyways, um, I appreciate you guys, you know, that already have done that for me. Uh, One way of doing so, of course, is by going and rating and reviewing this podcast on the platform you are listening to it on. And, um, you know, you can also sign up for my newsletter. When you get that monthly newsletter, you can hit reply and I will get it there. Or you can just email me, sean at rewildmybio.com. Anywho, without, you know, consider that my disclaimer here for this episode. Um, It gets real. I give you my research. Um, But without any further ado, please enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self-help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rewild My Bio. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Thank you so much for being here with me today. We're just going to dive right into this one. And uh, actually, I'm going to start like this. I was driving my car the other day, heading into the city to do some errands. And on the way, there is some construction. So, of course, you have, well, not of course, but sometimes you get that one lane closed on, say, a two-lane road, right? So, One lane is closed, and I don't know if this is like a Canadian thing. I think it might be because there's actually research done on this very subject from, I believe, somewhere, I think it's University of Edmonton or somewhere out that way. Anywho, I'll try to dig that up and put it in the show notes. Um, Essentially, the zipper effect is what I'm getting at here. It's a thing. So if everybody, in or at least in my experience or my observation, everyone gets out of the lane that is closing too early. And what happens is one lane gets backed up really, really far. And sometimes, and then other people, like myself, I'm one of these guys, 
knowing of the zipper effect and also looking around kind of a more bird's eye view and realizing that's one lane is backing up other intersections. And I was actually, um, you know, this construction in London, Ontario is right over the uh, 401. So you've got one lane backing up to the point that it actually starts to back up traffic on the on-ramp of a, of like, if you're in Canada, it's like our only highway. Well, one of them, but anyways, major highway, that's not a good idea. So, I mean, and again, knowing that there is actual research, and I believe CBC Radio actually had done something on this, and this is how I became privy to it, and ever since I've shared it, the zipper effect basically exists to eliminate these traffic backups. And what the whole zipper effect is, is just like a zipper, if you could imagine zipping up a zipper on your jacket, one after another, you get you stay in both lanes until that lane completely ends for the construction, and then you merge one at a time, each person letting another person go, eliminating traffic backups. So that's the whole idea behind it. I love sharing this, and especially because I think people have the best intentions, and they're going about their day in a way that they think they're helping society. And God bless them in this humanitarian quality that we have kind of all tapped into. However, if you're doing what you think is right, and it's actually, or, or smart, and it's actually not say right or really not all that smart if you think about it from this bird's eye view right so sometimes you even have those people who think they're going to block like both lanes and I, I understand their logic in that hey if I get over early which I'm being a good person and all you guys are just cutting right that's their mentality that everyone's trying to gouge them so that's that's their shit but anyways I'm I'm not going to pull up that's like not a good idea to pull up next to somebody and start telling them what their shit is and what their truth is right now but anyways this is the thing, this, this whole topic here of people or what we're getting into today, this is the segue into today's topic, people are doing what they think is best, and God bless them. However, if we all just question our beliefs, and we don't tie our identity into our beliefs, we can evolve as individuals, and therefore helping the greater good. So this is where I'm basically saying, uh, yeah, that's just a small little microcosm of the macrocosm that we're going to get into today, and that is a rewilder's guide to wearing a mask. So now that said, anytime I say a rewilder's guide to anything, which seems to be kind of rolling off my tongue a lot these days because I'm trying to bring practical things for you guys, anytime I say a rewilder's anything, I'm going to get some heat and some backlash from the folks out there that want to say what is and what is not rewilding. So this is rewilding as I see it, as it always is, because it's, you know, my podcast. So, but that said, I mean, uh, constructive criticism is always a good thing. However, when you call something a rewilders anything, uh, I haven't yet really received constructive criticism in my use of the word rewilding. It's more so you don't know what you're talking about. You like money, capitalism. And yeah, it's, it's, it's always a fun game with, uh, with folks and, you know, I guess uh, branding my podcast as rewilding is something I'm just going to have to deal with, especially when I'm using this word in such a way that some folks think it's horrible because it's being used as marketing and whatnot. But anyways, rewilding, nature connection, call it what you will. Um, this is my take on how to wear a mask if one believes in the healing power of nature and lives their life with the cycles of nature, and as a, you know, another cosm, another little light within that feedback loop that is nature and our life. So 
anyways, that's my long-winded way of saying that, um, well, basically saying, if you're a rewilder and you want to know how to wear a mask, don't wear one. <laughs> Show over. Uh, just kidding. But uh, yeah, no, really, this is going to be a, uh, it's going to be in the weeds all episode. And, you know, um, really, I'm, I'm just going to be, I say rewilder's guide, because really what I'm doing is dispelling misinformation from none other than our government and our health agencies, all these organizations and things like that, that I'm trying my hardest to never have to cite in any of my work ever again, because I am just not so keen on their funding and their overall initiatives um, when you look at for-profit activities and such. But anyways, I digress before this thing gets censored and kicked off whatever platform you're listening to it on. So anyways, um, I will acknowledge this as well. This is, of course, me cherry-picking studies if you want to some degree, right? If you want to look at it that way. I'm going to be, uh, obviously, it, it, from a greater, again, bird's-eye view, I am looking at things through a nature-based philosophy standpoint. I don't feel like we need masks to protect from a virus, especially this one. Um, I believe that we are viruses. So, again, it's going to go deep. Um, but, yes, I will be cherry-picking studies. Of, and I was talking with many intellectual um individuals, friends on the other side of the fence, um, speaking with folks who work at local health units, speaking with friends who, past colleagues who work in Health Canada. Um, so speaking with lots of different individuals and um, a lot of those folks following a very materialistic scientific viewpoint of it all and, uh, and, and for other reasons. But anyways, I've talked to people on the other side of the fence. And of course, this right now, and this is the whole point of me even hitting record here on this very, very messy episode, um, or messy topic, I should say, is because just that this is so divided by science. And this is a great example as to what to do in these instances. And, and, the, and the fact of the matter that science is always working towards understanding a subject better, right, or in more depth. So um, here we are looking towards it and trying to like claim science for things where it's just like, well, wait a minute, like in the traditional sense of creating health policies, there isn't enough data to go about this in a, in a proper way. So anyways, I'm, I'm kind of touching already on things that we're going to get into in a little bit, but, um, so I'm just, I'm basically just for you, for you naysayers out there or, or folks who want to say that's not rewilding or, Hey, you're just cherry picking. I'm just going to call myself out at the beginning. And of course, looking for any like type of constructive criticism if it is warranted, you know? So anyways, um, where, where do I want to start with this? Well, just that the lack of science. I mean, I see, and I did speak about this with, you know, the, the, um, and the zipper effect and folks driving on the road. I see wearing a just like that whole, just wear a mask for the common good. Just do your part as kind of like a Stockholm syndrome, right? So essentially we, that a Stockholm syndrome is we're believing um, we are aligning with virtue, right? We're doing what's good under the authoritarian order to do so. Right. Um, and I mean, I know everyone out there doing posts and things about, doing your part, wearing a mask, um, caring for people isn't, shouldn't be challenging or so controversial. Um, like again, you have to get, dive into those words there and define what uh, good is or doing your part is right. So, um, and it looks different in my opinion, if you've educated yourself in such a way, um, that you don't see yourself as separate from nature. Um, 
you know, if you just sat back or say if you educated yourself via sitting back consuming the, the BS from the CDC and the corporations who push, you know, the nonsense on you so that they can make a buck, i.e. the news and the folks who pay for their advertisements, which is more advertisements than news year after year. Um, I mean, yeah, TV programming, right? Actually, I did a tweet the other day, television programming, and I never actually saw the breaking down of that word. Um, but yeah, I had seen it put that way, tell a vision, right? Programming. So yeah, there's someone's telling you their vision and it's a program because you're tuning in often and slowly building your psyche around whatever that vision is that they have, right? So who are funding that vision? Again, this is blo- this, this, <laughs> if you're a boomer, you probably 10 minutes in your, pro- your brain just exploded. But if you're a boomer and you're listening, please get a hold of me. I would love to know if there's any uh, boomers listening, but Anyways, um, where was I going with all that? About the folks making these posts. I just want to know if they're aware that their posts to wear masks, or let's say those who actually actively, more aggressively say shame those who don't wear one, even out in public. um, I believe that that could be much more damaging than the virus itself. I I believe just blindly saying wear a mask, especially when mask is, again, undefined, We'll get into the definitions and types of masks here in a little bit. Because again, um, what I'm hoping to do today really is bring you some, there are, I mean, I bring you my process essentially of how I went about um, reviewing the literature on this. Now, I, I took about 16 hours over the course of three or four days and I dove into different papers, different reviews. And trying to see or and, and specifically going to like, say, uh, CDC's website and trying to backtrack where they're getting stuff. That gets really messy. That's an aside. And I'll talk about that. But uh, I did, you know, with some uh, like, let's call it what it is like lackluster, not my day job uh, rigor. And I went through some studies and it's just like, where are folks getting this? Now, I've also spoke with, uh, like I said, individuals and the health units and um individuals, two individuals in a health unit, one a friend, one a former colleague, somebody in Health Canada, who's again a friend, a friend and a colleague, um, all critically minded individuals, but of course, involved in their roles, they kind of get into that group think. So one of which, um, very critical individuals at Health Canada. I'll talk about that here in a bit. I'm again, jumping ahead of myself. I've um, got a lot to say about this stuff. Jeez, you can tell, eh? But um what I want to address, though, and again, coming back to the thesis of this show, we are all an acorn trying to become the mightiest oak tree we can be our own individ- in our own individual way so that we can be that part of a beautifully healthy functioning forest, right? Function- forest being the society or the, or the collective, right? So I'm not anti-lookout for others, but we all have to start at home first. And if our cups are empty, how are we going to fill up somebody else's, right? So we have to make sure our cups are full. And I see this, you know, do your part mentality, part being uh, wear a mask as program depersonalization on a mask scale. And quite effective too, given the fact that People are fearing for their lives, so emotions kick in, and it's just, like, yeah, do your do your part, man. Like, come on, just wear a mask. Like, we don't know either way, so just just do it, right? And it's just like, <laughs> I posted something again the other day. It's just like wearing a condom, you know, 
while not having sex so that you don't catch a sexually transmitted disease is essentially the same idea as, as wearing this mask. And I, I mean, and then add in the fact that masks could very well be harmful. And I've worked with plenty of individuals with breathing exercises and from my personal experience and just from looking at my, like my family and folks I know, this is not good for the general public to be wearing like say, say something like an N95 mask at work if they have to for, for long periods of time or something like that. But anyways, I believe people who shame those who don't wear masks are essentially weak or have, and I, I don't mean weak always, right now weak, low, low cups need, need some water um, in their cup to fill it up. And I also believe that these people right now, given the stressful times again, so feeding off this fear of, you know, uncertainty, um, people are looking, people that are less evolved or have empty cups are looking to steal power and get love from someone else, especially someone who's courageous and strong enough to actually speak up in the face of like, you know, stupidity when you come to educate yourself enough. Also, when you start to really understand, um, that we are not separate from earth. We are of the earth. We are of the viruses, right? And then looking at specific, you know, numbers, which we'll do here today, um, looking at specific numbers, like this is not the virus to be worried about. This is the virus to stockpile masks for future viruses. This is the, uh, this is the time to learn how to increase our own immune system or how to support, or how to have a, live a lifestyle that is, um, immunologically sound, right? We're not constantly stressing out or giving our immune system something to work on, which is we've kind of engineered that that type of society here, right? So, um, but anyways, yeah, I hope this podcast can help you guys out there basically just unshackle your identity from your ideas, you know? And if you really do believe, like, especially if so, if you really do believe masks help, now, there's, I'm going to mention times where masks might be good or how they might act as a psychological reminder, right? Having like, it's like the old, I mean, I used to have clients drinking water bottles and putting the elastic bands around their wrist, right? So to make sure they drink enough water in a day. And reminders, physical touch reminders are really good for some people, right? So, so anyways, I hope this podcast allows you to see basically where or when in your life you gave the locus of authority of your life, focus of control of your life and your health over to government, right? Because again, this is natural in within our society. Within the West, you know, or most cultures, we're told what to do by our parents throughout our younger years. And because we also need their protection, right? So it's natural for us to look for leadership outside of ourselves because we're kind of ingrained to do that as, as mammals, right? Um, you know, and at best from raising, from being raised by our parents, we all have, you know, fear of authority somewhat ingrained into us, right? In, in somewhat, in a, in a healthy way, that would be at best, um, you know, because times where they, you know, they basically had to rule over us in a healthy way. But at the same time, if our parents were not developed whole people with full cups, it's a good chance they projected their fears and insecurities onto us, Right. And I think just because Western culture, being where it is and valuing what it does, and also within the realms of capitalism throughout the last hundred years, you know, we don't have the tools. And so we now look to our government to protect us like they're our mommy and daddy. Um, and thus taking, you know, 
responsibility for ourselves, you know, or, or, or rather they're, you know, we're looking at them to protect us rather than say taking responsibility for ourselves and healing our old childhood authority complexes. Um, so yeah, I hope you kind of follow where I'm at. It's much deeper than that. I've I rambled with a few friends who I'm, you know, <laughs> just a lot of times you get into this subject for me and it's like it, ha- it has to start here at least on this um, deeper understanding of, of you know, psychology, uh, of culture, the socio-cultural uh, impact on our psyche and how that manifests here, you know, within these times where it's like where death is, death is being talked about and we in the West don't talk about death often. We remove ourselves from it, right? So anywho, um, but actually, you know what? It's funny, it's death and I'm thinking of podcasts and this is just a total random rambling here just for you guys. And I'm going to just shout out to Richard and I didn't really know this until Richard and I were hanging out over on the beach the other day and he had said he worked at a funeral home. I don't know if that's public knowledge, but I think that's a fascinating, fascinating topic. And when he told me, I was just like, oh, really? And we kind of just engaged in conversation. I wasn't thinking, hey, we should do a podcast about that. But we've talked about near-death experiences here on the show. We have Richard and I have another guest lined up who also um, would like to come on and talk about near-death experience. So um, again, it's a topic that exists because within the wild, uh, death, or within life, I should say, is death. It's just inherent, right? And if you listen to this show, you probably know what I'm saying. Now, as I kind of just touched on, I mentioned that this is not a mask kind of virus, in my opinion, and I'll add some context to that. And that is mainly because of the inflated numbers of cases, which has been coming out now in all shapes and forms of different health bodies throughout the United States. Um, I can't say necessarily I've seen much about that in the Canadian news, um, though I have talked with, again, folks within Health Canada and not in given the way of payment and whatnot. Doctors do receive more incentive or monetary incentive specifically to marking someone down as COVID. Um, you know, the mechanisms of the tests themselves. So again, false positives. Um, and that's why we're seeing, you know, numbers even up. If you have confirmed cases, you know, these are people who feel fine, right? Um, and and that's, that's because of a false positive or it's because they are, you know, asymptomatic and they do feel fine and they're a carrier and no problems at all, No, you know. And there's also studies showing that those individuals who are asymptomatic, you know, are giving it to others, might not be giving it to others. Again, it's so nuanced and it's in this, diving into all this, it was just, um, I mean, again, I'm no virologist. I'm not an immunologist either. So it's just me kind of jumping into the science of this from a, at least removed from the body of literature, but at the same time knowing my way around it enough to feel like comfortable in it, I guess you could say. So, but again, take that, take all this kind of data on, even the, even the worst case scenario data, the, that is trumped by my belief that we were made up of bacteria, fungus, and, and viruses um, that we have fermented with throughout human history, right? So again, great opportunity to learn about self-care and immunological supportive lifestyles. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just odd to me that we're all of a sudden required to have masks in the middle of the summer, when we have a good data on this virus being killed on surfaces, not to mention ancient wisdom from, say, the Spanish flu about 
sunlight as a treatment, right? So doctors pulling patients, uh, soldiers coming back from the war, pulling them outside, those that were in close quarters in the bottoms of these ships coming across the Atlantic Ocean were the most sick. So they would get that get those guys on the nice days out in the sun, get them fresh air and, you know, this working as treatment. So um, it's just odd to me that I still know nobody, no one person um, with the coronavirus, other than that unconfirmed family member that I have mentioned before in previous podcasts. Um, But when people are infected, what I've seen is like, they're, they feel fine. Or what I've heard is that people who have become positive are fine. Um, you know, very few get their asses kicked and even less die. I could just say that over and over again. People just very few get their asses kicked by this and even less die. Most of who die are over the age of 65. Um, like honestly though, and it's just, but if you're tuned into the, the programming, you know, it's just like, oh, here's a kid. Here's a 35 year old. Here's just enough to string you along and scare you. It's just, you really have to just unattach yourself. And I'm sure if you're listening, you're Unplug. So, hey, if you're out there, uh, share this with a friend who's kind of on on the verge of thinking about taking that red pill. You know what I mean? This is a big dose of that for sure. So what I'm going to do now is actually read something from MasksDon'tWork.com. Believe it or not, MasksDon'tWork.com. So now I know a lot of you who are sitting on the fence with Sean, you're just going to cherry pick. It took me a long time to find this website, but if, actually it, it didn't because it started to like pop into my head that there must be a website about this, right? So, and of course there's websites on both sides of the fence. However, stuff here is things that I've, well, it was very helpful. It was all nicely put together. So um, what, kudos to whoever started this. Um, actually, it's... I, a PhD, I believe. Um, yeah. Um, Dennis G. Rancourt. And I had seen some of this stuff being shared through other sources that I've been following throughout this whole uh, process, like Kelly Brogan and, and others. Um, but I wanted to read this here because I just think they did a great job at getting into some of the numbers that I wanted to present for you guys. So COVID-19 is such a mild disease that 98% of the people in Europe who got infected with it had no symptoms or only mild symptoms. It is a dangerous disease mainly for people who are old or and in poor health, rather. So in Europe, only 8% of the people who died with COVID-19 were under the age of 65. In the United States, the COVID-19 death rate figures constantly shown to the public are wildly inflated in two ways. And these are the two things I really wanted to share. One, only 7% of listed COVID-19 fatalities involve people whose only health problem was COVID-19. So on average, each death had 2.5 additional causes, such as, say, heart disease, cancer, other respiratory diseases. Um, These statistics are from the CDC, National Center for Health Statistics, and they were updated updated through June 24th. I did indeed dig that up and could confirm those numbers there. So the second thing that they point out is the number, and I like this one, the the number of COVID-19 cases shown to the public is only the number confirmed by testing, right? So the cases with mild symptoms or no symptoms, as I I just kind of mentioned this, they did not begin to be confirmed by antibody testing until about mid-June. So early indications are that the number of those very mild cases is 20 to 40 times the number of reported cases. So there's actually more people out there with mild cases than we know of, right? So again, 
we're in a state of fear because we don't think that everybody's come in contact with it, but that's not the case. We've just started testing for it. So therefore 20 to 40 times the number that were reported previously. Okay. So a lot of people have come in contact with this. You know, I've said it before that I believe I may have, um, and yeah, and like, again, that, that family member who is, who is nearing 65 and, and is one of the most like, uh, unhealthy lifestyles that I believe I've, I've known and not, this person's not listening to this show. So it doesn't matter that I say this. And this is the truth just to let you know, like I was think, worried about losing this individual, right? Like it was, it was weird and scary and listen to past uh, episodes about this is not a conspiracy uh, theory. Um, that particular episode, I go into that whole story there. So anyways, um, with so many cases, this, I'm going to finish this last sentence here. With so many cases omitted early on, the number of COVID-19 deaths compared to the number of confirmed cases looks large in comparison to the flu death rate when it is actually only slightly higher. All right. So the numbers going into these epidemiological models are not right and not worth following, you know, as closely as we are as far as health policy goes. Or causing fear. I mean, if the news media uses this type of stuff to, to, to make us, this is something that they should hold with, with heavy, heavy regard for when they're reporting the, the fear tactics they do every, every day at six o'clock, right? This can sizzle that down and, or in my, in my belief. So anyways, um, I'll read this one last paragraph. The chance of a healthy person under age 50 catching and dying, dying from COVID-19 is as small as their chance of being killed in an auto accident on the way to the doctor's office. This is indeed true. Now, and, and, and especially so when taking that second point I just mentioned um, about cases actually being a lot higher than we know. Um, this is very, 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 very true. So when we're talking about this all the whole time, it's my, my question is, is, it's horrible for anybody to die, car accident or... COVID-19, but why, why, like, there's so many other important things that we could stop our economy for and help people, so again, when people say, do your part, it's just like, well, wait a minute, I've been doing my part since I was, like, probably, honest, 21 years old when I got a job at my first gym, like, obviously, that was in a different way back then, but I've continually done that throughout my life's work, it's my passion and purpose here, and, um, so to be said, you know, like, just do your part, you know, help people out. It's like, I am, please listen for one second. Let's just remove our identity from these beliefs and let's just have an open, good conversation where we might lose part of ourselves, right? Me included, I'm, I'm happy to, and again, I've, I've, I've been there and, and gone there, but, um, and we have to do those in person with real people or say through text or whatever the method is more so than just a quick 280 character tweet or calling someone an anti-vaxxer or whatever there's nuance and context to everything that i don't think we're getting to the bottom of with these platforms that are censoring us anyways <laughs> ay, ay, ay. you can't make this shit up honestly the world's gone to like a an episode of south park just every, i like everything south park to me anymore but anyways um where was i going with this uh you know i'm gonna just i'm gonna leave that i mean i'm gonna put that in the show notes um masks don't work Com. Again, can't make this shit up. It's a real website. Um, so before I go any further, there is a point that I wanted to touch on in regards to this whole second wave idea. Um, now, given my conversation with a friend, former colleague, 
works with health in health Canada, there most definitely is a second wave lockdown that is going to happen. Now, this of course is not told for sure. Like if, if you look, listen to press releases and say, is there going to be this? They say, we aren't, we aren't know we're day by day and all the, the political stuff. Like there most definitely is a plan in place for a second lockdown according to this individual, right? So I want to touch on these conversations that I have before I kind of get into some science stuff and, and more numbers from or citing podcasts. I want to bring my personal story and experience because again, chatting with friends who work in these health units, this virus, you come to understand with the lack of science or with the, you know, science working as hard as it possibly can, folks questioning it properly and, and vetting things and all, all things science, um, while that's happening, this virus has become a tool for governments of the West to mirror Chinese democracy. Now, I know that's a big far reach from just going from, say, putting on masks, and but this is, you know, this is my, I guess, political science lens coming through and, and kind of seeing seeing this happen, right? Um, and, and this virus has become, you know, politicized. It comes down to whether or not your, uh, you know, elected official at whatever level of government is, say, a germaphobe or just has pressure or might be right-wing, left-wing, whatever, right? Um, you know, there is very little science, and that's what I'm chatting with my friend at Health Unit. I was like, how are you guys making policy out of this you know how are you taking data analyzing it and turning that into policy it's like yeah it's been politicized it's a mess getting in research from like china and so what i wanted to say is that in my research so i'm chatting with these folks and trying to find things going to local health units pulling out papers and things like that finding these systematic reviews being published by the world health organization who are citing studies that you know i just can't find say on google scholar go into the databases that i have access to access to everything right across the world can actually ask a lot I could ask a librarian for studies but again it's not not how I want to use my librarian contacts right there's more important things for me to do but at the same time I'm getting like stopped trying to f go to CDC websites following sources back and they're just linking their own web page and stuff and it's just like well where where like where where are you getting all this from if you see things on the internet saying and there are websites that I'm going to link where they're actually taking you through. Apparently, early on, in the early days of mask recommendations by the CDC, there were studies cited. And if you actually look into those studies, they're, they're again, either links to dead ends, other websites, um, or just studies or, uh, like, just perspective papers on, um, like, small white papers on uh, people's opinions and that, and like, it's just, there's no real, or other topics altogether, there's no real, like, say, random control trials on masks with COVID-19, like, period, and in the day of science, where everyone's, like, really trying to do things in a rigorous way right now, it's just, like, we need to acknowledge that, at least, right, and, and furthermore, there's no, there's no research on any successful public health policy that uh, mandated mask wearing, we just don't have any literature on that so it's just to say let's do that um you know it, it just doesn't there's just no science or just not enough at least just know that there's no science informing these policies right now it's politicized it's just and again that's just my interaction that's my anecdotal experience talking with folks i'm not naming names obviously for their uh their work privacy and whatnot it's just not happening but um i mean i have no reason to not tell you guys the truth essentially so if you're out there and you still believe masks work for the virus just please stop 
wearing one. I should say I do wear a scarf. Um, I wear my Burning Man scarf loosely. Luckily, Burning Man, I had a bunch of N95 masks left over. Um, but those I'm just saving if, you know, for whatever. But, um, you know, at once I've been asked to pull my scarf up over my nose, right? Just kind of putting it there and, you know, talking into it, being cognizant. But like when we get into some of the, again, studies that are looking at the ineffectiveness of masks, these cloth masks are like nothing but like, I don't know, serve no purpose other than to rob a bank, go to a protest or something. I don't, I really don't know. Um, I just, when that person said, can you please pull up your mask? I just chose to step two meters back. I pulled it down. I said, thanks. I don't need it. And I just bought the bottle of water elsewhere. Right. So no big deal. Um, was very polite. I think that's the thing when you're, when you're wearing your scarf around or your bandana or however you, you guys are doing it out there as a rewilder, right? <laughs> Someone who knows the silliness of it all. I mean, unless you're wearing an N95 mask, which we're going to get into that in a second. Um, it's pointless, right? So yeah, do your, do your fashion masks and uh, do you. But again, I mean, I, I am wearing one. So to say don't wear one, I'm slowly, you know, slowly just working towards I'm not going out and shopping all that much unless I have to right so and and again back to the politicization of this whole thing here where I'm at um in Elgin uh township masks are not required right now they're not I'm going into you know grocery stores I'm going to the farmer's market uh, I'm going to the health food store and uh I mean luckily there's farms and things fruit fruit stands and that's where I'm getting most of my produce this time of year anyways so again it's just crazy. You go over these imaginary lines and all of a sudden the virus is going to get you there, but but not here, right? So so what I want to do now is go over some types of masks and then basically reasons why you, you know, maybe should wear a mask, reasons why you might not want to wear a mask and then when, you know, when to wear a mask or what type of these masks. So this is based on, uh, you know, like, like I said, a few days of research. I asked the question, are masks effective? I went into Google Scholar. I went into a database search in CINAHL, as well as Medline, to pull up studies, plethora of studies. Um, I specifically sought out systematic reviews. I looked for things that were often cited by all these government official agencies. Um, those mostly were opinion papers, again, um, so I didn't pay much attention to those. I found a few studies that flat out said, you know, cloth masks are useless, um, and then I looked at some reviews of the ones that are being cited as, you know, look, guys, masks work, that whole thing, right? So my lot of lot of critiques over these studies, um, specifically the mechanism by which they're doing studies. There's no random control trials, and you're basically spraying particles with a spray bottle through masks and catching things on other sides. And I'm, you know, we do not live in petri dishes or laboratories as such. So there's, you know, again, that whole condom joke. It's, I hope you're starting to understand or chipping away at the idea that this works logically yeah you would think it would catch saliva and therefore no one's getting sick the person on the opposite i've had to deal with this my whole life that individuals out there are going everyone's taking care of themselves the best way that they possibly can few people seek out knowledge and build self-efficacy around lifestyle habits that are going to create optimal health right so there's always something out there somebody's working on essentially i think that um we can't, again, we'd have to do even, again, random, I could, I'm, I'm touting random control trials as this end all be all as like the best, you know, most difficult complex study. Even then I'd say these studies, even if done properly random control trials, it, we don't live 
as such. And in, we have to take, a, take into account biochemical individuality and an individual's microbiome, type of the year, where they're at, lifespan, social status, all sorts of things. Doesn't mean science doesn't work, in my opinion. It just means we have to do better studies, um, make judgments a little less uh, generalizable, I'd say, with some of these random control trials specifically when you're dealing with, say, microbiome or viruses and epidemiological studies and such. Anywho, um, types of masks, N95 masks. It's the only mask designed to protect their wearer. Um, they filter air coming in through electro, like little, you know, electrostatic charge that it has. It collects small particles that we can't see. Um, this is recommended for medical professionals, and these have to be fitted. There can't be any beard growth. Um, you know, these have to be right tight to the skin. Um, and there's research showing that active TB, TB germs, really well done studies too, um, that these studies show efficacy of blocking, you know, these types of germs. Um, this would, you know, essentially work for SARS-CoV-2 and it is why folks are not recommending going out and buying them because there's not enough of these things for healthcare professionals that need these types of masks, right? So now you're thinking, oh, doctors wear those surgical masks. Surgical masks are worn by surgeons, hence the name, um, and they're worn in theory to protect those who they may be performing surgery on. Now that's a theory. And again, rightfully so in many cases, you know, doctors are germaphobes, the whole germ theory kind of being the basis of their whole practice, right? And and, and rightfully so, because there's cause for many deaths based on the procedures that they perform. So they uh, do anything they can to cut down on risk of, you know, infection during say surgeries and all the crazy and wild things that that amazing things that doctors are able to do uh, for emergency medicine and, and such. So um, this is why they wear them. But even as there's research on this that's saying these masks don't even necessarily protect the wearer all that much, um, maybe from direct like spit if you're hanging open, hanging over like an open brain or heart transplant or something like that, right? Um, so that's the N95 mask, the surgical mask, then the bandana or the cloth uh, mass. There's no data on these out there, um, and they're I mean, starting to be a little bit, but again, nothing specific to, say, COVID-19. There was one study. I tried to trace it back. This was from a uh, World Health Organization-funded systematic review and meta-analysis. I'm going to link that in the show notes. If you guys can dig up uh, a study that was done on cloth masks that um, is cited, but I can't, again, find it, that would be awesome if you could share it. Um, but again, these are the high-fashion masks. I wear my Burning Man bandana and it gets me in the door. So everyone's happy. Everyone's being safe. Um, but anywho, that's essentially that. What I want to throw at you guys now is another resource. It's the healthyamerican.org. Um, she has a whole section on masks and there's a little chart that she has there. It says science says healthy people should not wear masks. So a few things I'm going to now touch on for the rest of the podcast. I'm going to name them off here and I'm going to, you know, restate them when we chat about them. But I want to just put them out bullet form for you guys in case you were, you know, you, sh you share these ideas, you're accumulating knowledge on whether or not, you know, masks work or do not, whether or not you should wear one. Um, then here are some points for you guys to, to chew on. Masks reduce intake of oxygen, leading to carbon dioxide toxicity. There is no scientific evidence that supports healthy people wearing masks. Wearing a mask causes you to touch your face more frequently. I'm sure we've all seen that. Germs are trapped near your mouth and nose, increasing risk of infection and making a whole little colonized uh, environment there for microbes and such. 
not good in the middle of the summer. Masks obscure, obscure facial features and impede normal social interaction. Masks also make it harder for the hearing impaired people or for hearing impaired people to understand you, right? Never thought of that, but it's on her list there. I, I, that is a good point. Um, and masks symbolize suppression of speech, which, yes, if you've been following me on social media, you would know that I think it's more of a muzzle than it is a tool for health promotion in any way, shape, or form. So let's talk about that first one in, in regards to mask reduce intake of oxygen, and let's talk about hypoxia and hypoxic training. So despite limited research, this is an article from um, the National Academy of Sports Medicine. It's I'm going to link it in the show notes, but little excerpt from it. Despite limited research on the training masks, so talking about these hypoxic training masks um, that you can put on to basically run on a treadmill or perform exercise, and um, it's basically mimicking uh, high-altitude training. So I, I guess I don't, that's basically the gist of this blurb here, but um, looking at differences, and there is some benefit to training like this, um, and actually it's, it's quite interesting and something I've been wanting to actually experiment with myself, but... Um, what essentially we're doing here, what may be the most significant finding of the study on these masks is the mechanism, the mechanism by which uh, the mask was creating hypoxemia. So researchers said um, it resulted, I'm going to read this here, resulted from rebreathing expired CO2 trapped in the user's masks. So this is the mechanism by which this gives the benefit to the exerciser. They also remarked that the hypoxemia created by restricted airflow is a novel and seemingly effective way to mimic altitude without ever traveling to higher elevation. So hypoxemia refers to the low level of oxygen in blood, and the more general term hypoxia is an abnormally low oxygen content in any tissue or organ or body as a whole. So it's like, given the nature of this this virus, and then given this this here alone, and again, my experience working with folks and people having to wear, say, an N95 for long periods or people who are, you know, wearing them in their car, you know, hopefully they've got their conditioning on. But, um, like, this is putting a lot of stress on our lungs. And I just believe right now it would be so, just given the nature of this disease, you know, if it is even whatever the heck it is, breath work over masks. Like, instead of the Surgeon General showing you how to make a mask, um, <laughs> Give us a breathwork video, you know? If you're a healthy individual like this, you could almost use your N95 mask like a, some training next time you're on the trails and put it on and, and uh, see if you can restrict airflow. But for the most part, for the most the average person, not a good idea. So why masks don't work? Well, CDC, like the whole mask guidance thing, as I just mentioned, making a mask, like making a mask at home, it's flawed as fuck. Like flawed AF. I can't even believe it. Like it's suffocating us and businesses are bending over backwards to essentially enforce these these laws now you're going to see this in our schools and again talking about mortality rates and more harm than good again those people back to my start of this podcast people that are sitting in that left or that lane that's open when you're driving into construction you think you're doing good but you're actually backing up traffic, potentially causing accidents and just more backups than is needed than actually driving. And I guess I never fully explained that, but driving side by side in the zipper effect, much like a zipper, one at a time, people are going in. This would then eliminate backloads of traffic. 
And again, just understanding this and then doing it, I'm sure if most people knew that, they'd be like, oh, I get it. They'd stop blocking you to go up into, you know, what you should be doing. Anyways, just a little, that's all I'm saying, a little digging in, you can see how the info on the CDC is just not backed by science. CDC should be defunded, in my opinion. I got to come out and just say it. If that, if this gets ban- banned, I would I kind of want to, you know what I mean? Everybody else is. And I feel like you have to use your platform and not, or you know, grow some, so to speak. And so I'm just coming right out there and saying this CDC and this World Health Organization, they should be defunded. Um, I will just do my part in not ever referencing anything from them ever within my careers in academia, if that ever takes off. Um, But uh, like that video of the Surgeon General showing you how to make a mask out of a black scarf, I kid you not, a black scarf of all things at this time, just full of bacteria and other things like Madness. At first, I don't wear them. Now they're saying wear them. They say it's based on new data. Like what new data? You don't even reference. You reference your own website and not even like an article. It's just like another homepage. Um, you know, and then, and then they, they basically, yeah, they basically stop putting up references. It's just, it's madness. So let's talk about the other um, touching the face frequently part. Um, and the whole idea of false sense of security. So, Dr. Michael Greger, um, nutritionfacts.org, followed the guy for years. Gabriel Cousins, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, another individual I followed for some time. Um, you know, there's tons of stuff out there, guys, and it'll all be in the show notes just, again, to help help you disseminate an alternative view um, and to do, you know, to give you the tools or, I guess, some knowledge to do something that you believe is right, right? And, um, and more so probably is right when we actually get out of this. <laughs> But anyways, we'll let folks that really want to wear their mask wear them. And that's the whole thing. I'm not saying force this upon folks, but it's just sharing this alternative so other people can kind of wake up, so to speak, or become reconnected with their true ecological self. It'd be a good thing. So anyways, these two folks, um, specifically Dr. Michael Greger, talking about time and distance as key. So if you're feeling vulnerable um, to potentially passing a virus and you go out and you get close to people for longer, um, then that's not good. Right, if you would normally stay home because you think your mask is protecting you or you think your scarf is protecting you. Indirect ways people can help stop spread of a virus. So these are indirect ways. A mask is an indirect way. You have no direct effect on their catching of the virus. Again, so back to the condom analogy. It's an indirect way. Um, or wearing a condom when you're not having sex, right? Sex. There's there's no there is no way that might not even be the best analogy there. Anyways, I digress. With an N95 mask, if you go into a grocery store, say to get medication, that would be a very good time to use a mask if you are sick. It would kind of signal folks saying, hey, I'm, I'm sick, right? Now, of course, people don't want to point themselves out like that, and that would never happen. So, I mean, like wearing gloves or wearing these masks as just a reminder to, to yourself, um, I, I see that as like the most important thing or to flag others. But again, nobody would really do that. So, if you're asymptomatic, there's no reason for you to wear a mask. Um, and this is, again, based on the work of Dr. Michael Greger. Um, it's not your duty as a good citizen or something to acquiesce about. It, it just really, if you're if you're healthy, there's no reason to be wearing a mask. Um, it, it does benefit, and I'll talk about it later, but, you know, when you are sick and things like that. Um, Gabriel Cousins, he actually on his website has a cross-country uh, study in the, or a, by the University of East Anglia. Here, I'm just going to find this and read it. Um, 
It concluded that masks, a mask requirement has no benefit and may increase the risk of infection. And again, that is through touching of the face. Um, two U.S. Professor, professors rather, in uh, respiratory protection from the University of Illinois explained in an essay that the masks do not affect self-protection um, at all or protection of third parties. Um, masks didn't prevent the outbreak of the virus in Wuhan. Folks wear masks all the time because of pollution, which again, probably the real problem here. Um, and also the Annals of Internal Medicine published a study in April of 2020 stating that neither fabric masks nor surgical masks could prevent the spread of COVID-19 by coughing. This specific one will be linked in the show notes and it's just, it's as airtight as I could possibly bring to you of all the studies that I've, I've seen that would say, forget about it. Um, this is the one, at least in my opinion. There's another one um, in the New England Journal of Medicine in May 2020. An article appeared that um, concluded that masks offer little or no protection in everyday life. The call for a masks for mask requirement was described as irrational fear reflex, and I would totally agree with the authors of that paper. Um, and again, there'll be a couple more. I'll put the, the overtouching the face piece. There's specific studies to that. Um, and a little excerpt from one here that I will link in the show notes says, we know that wearing a mask outside of healthcare facilities offer, offers little, if any, protection from infection. Um, that was, again, published in the New England Journal of Medicine, so a fairly reputable journal in regards to all things medicine. These things are just being overlooked by, you know, CDC. Um, and then here, actually, this is from um, the California Department of Public Health, and I... in think this is important for me to mention here because I feel that if there's anyone who's going to look out over their citizens' health, it is California. They are, you know, notorious for uh, listing all things cancer, all things chemicals, and even all those hippies out there, they want to protect the earth and they let you know if it's killing the earth or yourself and they do a good job at that. So a little excerpt here from uh, their website, which I'll have linked in the show notes, is there is limited evidence to suggest that the use of cloth face coverings by the public during a pandemic could help reduce disease transmission. So, and again, if you could say, Sean, you're cherry picking, throw things at me that are really, really good, um, please. I, I'm happy to be uh, in constant conversation with um, at least friends and colleagues that I have chatted with. I'm not, uh, you know, we can agree to disagree. And I think we have in many, many times. So uh, the other one that I want to talk about though, and this is actually one that, um, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of folks would understand if you're keen on the whole importance of having a healthy microbiome. Germs get trapped near your mouth and nose, and that increases risk of infection, not just of, a, say, a virus, but of all sorts of things. It creates a moist environment, and moisture retention um, and poor filtration may result in the increase of, say, infection with a cloth mask. Um, it creates a reservoir for microbe growth, essentially, and it, you know, things can colonize where in natural settings, right, how we were born, without a mask on our face, uh, these would just be diffused throughout the air, right? Um, so again, that's a British, British medical journal, um, something published there that has that. I will link that in the show notes for you guys. A um, couple more points here as we get up to the hour mark. Um, so we're moving along. Masks obscure your facial features and impede normal social interaction. I couldn't agree more. Um, I just, you know, in the whole hearing impaired piece, how like, I, uh, that's just it. Like I have young 
nephews and children in my life and making eye contact and seeing facial expressions went out in public when you live at home all day and then you have to go out to the market or wherever you're getting food and you interact with old people for the first time in your life. It's very important, I think, that you see, I just remember being a kid and you see old people just smiling at you, right? And that is just, I think, so important to see that type of love because I think they're on the same level, young kids, old people that near the end of life who've lived a healthy life, um, they're, they're, you know, connected in a way that I think we as adults, we get busy in the hustle and bustle, hustle and bustle of things. We seem to uh, lose that connection. So I think it's just, um, it's not good to, to, to have that lack of facial communication in a day where we're all moving online anyways. Um, and again, it almost seems like, Sean, it sounds conspiratorial. Yeah, I know it does. It just seems like a recipe for bad news and it's only getting worse and worse and worse. And so I have to, again, hit record here. You know, you keep seeing people shitting on our amazing ability to adapt, evolve, and be resilient um, on, on all levels, physical, mental, um, spiritual, emotionally. And it is just my mission, my passion, my pleasure to give you guys the tools to reclaim control over your health and just live a happy, healthy life. Like, honestly, this is... Uh, I'm just tired, yeah, again, of, of our ability to be amazing, suppressed in the what seems like the quest to sell us more drugs, more pharmaceuticals, and a new vaccine. Just sit tight and wait. And yeah, I just got way too much love and belief in each one of our abilities to learn and then to apply that. And I just, again, it's just back to the zipper effect. I just want everyone to be as best informed as possible. So if you feel the same way, I appreciate you sharing this. As always, I say that a lot, but please do share it with a friend if you think uh, they would enjoy this or if you think someone's ready for that red pill. We're getting to the end of it. Here's when to wear a mask. <laughs> Basically, if you're, a pro if you're protesting, and I, and, I, and I know that I have said before, it's not my way um, to go about rewilding. It's not my, I, I don't believe protesting. It's just not my thing. I have that inclination, um, but that's more from an egoic me projecting on people not doing my own personal development and becoming my whole self, right? So when my cup is empty, it's easy to just say, hey, I want to go to a protest, right? So I try to do um, things in a different way in this podcast being one of them. So anyways, um, maybe you can consider it my protest. I don't know. But anyways, um, it's my free, it's my right to have, you know, for free speech. And so I guess this is where I think this is important because masks totally symbolize suppression of free speech. And throughout human history, if you're one to have studied political science, it's clear um, that this is the makings of communism or fascism to actually make people wear masks. Like um, masks are normally worn in protest to, to symbolize, you know, suppression of freedom of speech. So um, and to make that mandatory after a lockdown. And here in Canada have, you know, guns taken away. It's like, this is what Stalin had done. And it's just like, whoa, Sean, that's, it sounds harsh, but it's, it's true, right? So I'm just, just saying, um, you can't make this shit up. It's, it's literally like a movie or, you know, again, South Park. Um, when you just look at the masses sheepishly following along nonsense, you know, under the guise of like altruistic, uh, humanitarian behavior, it's, it's, you know, wear a mask when you're robbing a bank. And I'm not saying to rob a bank by any means, but like when else are you going to wear a mask, right? Like, I don't know, when you're hunting, have like a camouflage mask. I Halloween, wear a mask. Um, but anyways, I'm going to get into some real times of, of actually wearing a mask here because 
I don't want to just poo-poo on the whole thing. And yeah, you could take that whole sound clip and say, Sean said don't wear masks or rub a bank or go ahead and, and do that. But um, I doubt that will happen. I'd say like very, 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 like there is no needs in the public if you're healthy to wear a mask for this COVID-19, for SARS-CoV-2. Um, unless you have symptoms of feeling sick, and even if you had influenza-like symptoms and you must leave your home, then wear an N95 mask. So, um, and again, it's that whole social benefit to saying, hey, I'm infected. Um, but people don't like to be centered out, right? So that like essentially is my official recommendation on wearing masks is wear like a good N95 mask if you have to go out. Otherwise, stay home. And hopefully we can have good conversations with our elected officials about um, paid sick days for individuals so they don't have to worry about losing their job. I mean, that's happened here in Canada and that's, that's a great thing. I think the government could fork out a little bit more money in that way and let people still make a living, you know, on their own. And this is not like, this, this is just an idea, right? I'm up for taking this and, 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 and engaging in a good conversation. If you feel like it's not a, this is not a, a rewilder's way to doing it, but that's just one way I'm thinking of right now anyways. Right. Um, but yeah, really, there's really no, no reason to, to wear a mask. Like if you were a high risk individual working at, you know, in the hospital all day and then you had to go out, I, I would say, yeah, wear, wear a mask because your, your profession puts you in harm's way. I mean, and we should have enough N95 masks for you to wear at work. And then whatever you need to wear or whatever you want, like that works, I guess, out in public, that would be a good idea, I think. Um, but anyways, I'd like, I'd like to just re reiterate again that a healthy lifestyle that supports your immune system to be something, um, you know, to be something that we learn about, I think, to be a, a tool in our back pocket ready to be employed or applied during these types of situations, I think that would be a great idea. Um, I also want to say, as my official recommendation, stay away from governmental agencies' recommendations at this time. And, um, like, that might sound like, oh, geez, Sean, you're really throwing yourself under the bus there. But, like, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like, this, there's nothing that makes sense. Press them, ask them questions. Um, like, just, like... I'd, I'd say take that stuff with a grain of salt and, and go elsewhere and accumulate at least five sources that don't support what you have, what you already believe. Let's, how about that? And then like really make a decision. Like people in your life, don't just go outside of your life and look for a, a guru on Instagram or something like that. Talk to people in your life because again, I don't know anybody who's actually had this disease, right? It, it's, yeah, it's really interesting that after all of this, I still not do not know anybody who does not have like who has been confirmed to have COVID-19. So I would talk to people who I respect on and I have who are dealing with people with COVID-19. Talk to people who, you know, who say that, yeah, it's busy and they're looking at it within their lens because that's all we can ever do. And then others who are saying, no, it's we're not busy at all here in the hospital system or, or what have you. Um, but anyways, we're at the hour mark here. I'm going to wrap this one up. I think I did a great job in, I, well, I, I, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's for real though. I didn't talk about say God or, uh, you know, which comes hand in hand when I talk about separation from nature to me, it's, it's all one, it's all the same. Um, so if we think of viruses as bad and condemn them, then we're condemning ourselves. So I guess there, that's kind of my little way to kind of go back to that bird's eye view and looking at this, we cannot condemn viruses. Um, this virus is here to make us stronger. Maybe not fit. I don't think personally, physically, it's not like that aggressive enough to really 
I think cause a huge evolution to us. I think it's our adapt. I think it's, it's a symptom of our adaption to pollution in our environment without a doubt. It's mother earth and our collective consciousness kind of creating this energetic virus that I think is here to make us strong and resilient, but more aware of the importance of our mentality or of our mental, our emotional and our spiritual bodies of our spiritual health and our connection on that regard. That's again, fear being the real virus here or, um, lack of information, um, domestication really, right? Retapping our, our wild innate ability to think for ourselves within this body and do that in a way that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can have enough to take care of those who are sick, right? The elderly people who are weak or those who have weakened immune systems um, and might be more, you know, liable to succumbing to say this virus or any, any influenza-like virus, right? Um, I want to end on a positive note and uh, yeah, so, you know, I've had so much faith in all of you guys listening, if you made it to the end of this episode, I just want to say thank you so much um, for listening. Um, listening. I thank you guys for like, you know, sending me love and, and good wishes and saying, hey, I, I, I see things the way you do too. And I and I thank you for, you know, having the guts to go out there and, and say it right and to tell people to think for themselves what is true and follow their gut. Um, I feel like, you know, I'll get off my soapbox here in a minute, but no longer... In the West, can we deny the importance of spiritual health and getting comfortable with physical death? So there, there it is. I can't, I can't go talking about coronavirus without talking about God and nature connection and, you know, getting comfortable with that physical death again. Um, you know, I can guarantee you guys that this, you know, or a mask rather, will save no one's life in the grand scheme of things here on earth, right? It will save no one's life. Think about that. Um, other than say some frontline workers with proper masks, <laughs> proper stockpiles, yada, yada, yada. But I digress. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, if all this doesn't sink in, just remember, yeah, you're going to die. And I hate to sound so fatalistic. Um, and if you don't believe me, then I guess, you know, just keep, cur- <laughs> this is a joke, but keep criticizing courageous leaders. Um, and you know, and just be afraid of, losing your life rather than living it, right? I don't know. I'm sure if you made it into the end of this episode, that's not the way you look at things. So high five to you. Thank you to you guys. I love you guys also very much for listening. Um, Oh yeah, one more thing. Wearing a mask by yourself in a car. I'm going to say this properly. Wearing a mask by yourself in your car to not catch the coronavirus is the equivalent of wearing a condom when you're not having sex so that you don't catch an STD. Yeah. It's the same thing. Anyways, I am getting out of here on this one. I thank you guys again for listening. Uh, Please check out everything online at rewildmybio.com. I just released another newsletter here on the full moon. So uh, check that out. Sign up for the newsletter. Stay in touch with all things down the pipeline, current episodes, the whole science section where I share my nature connection and nature relatedness, forest therapy research with you guys. Again, thanks so much for listening. And as always, stay wild. subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this episode i would greatly appreciate it if you shared the show with your friends if of course you think they would like it 
You can also visit rewildmybio.com to download previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter. In the newsletter, I share blogs and bonus content from my health promotion research, along with practical tips to help you rewild in a modern world. Please follow along on Instagram and Facebook at rewildmybio and on Twitter at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay wild. Thank you.